morning. Elijah. What does that name evoke? A thunder-preaching man of towering faith. It, uh, it does for me, but today we want to consider the human being, Elijah, a man with like passions, a man used of God, certainly, but we want to take encouragement and instruction from the life of Elijah. We can do that this morning by looking at Elijah's prayer life, and so that's going to be the focus of our study this morning. Turn in your Bibles with me to... James chapter 5, we'll spend most of our study in 1 Kings 1, I'm sorry, 1 Kings and 2 Kings, but uh, we'll start with a familiar passage in James chapter 5. James 5, 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and earth produced its fruit. The Holy Spirit makes a very plain statement about prayer in uh, verse 16 he says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much we could state that in other words and say the supplication of a righteous man produces much in its working prayer effective fervent produces much then the Holy Spirit selects an example for effective fervent prayer and he uses the man Elijah for that but the Holy Spirit says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours we would understand if a spiritual giant would pray and the Lord would hear and the Lord would stop the rain but this morning we're talking about one who has faults and weaknesses one whose uh, faith falters sometimes We're talking about um, a man with nature like ours what kind of nature do you have are you sometimes fearful sometimes prone to discouragement then the Lord has a message for you this morning through the life of Elijah our prayer is the same as that of the early disciples to the Lord Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray. So uh, we'll look at the prayer life of Elijah. It's important to understand uh, the position of Elijah before looking at his prayer. It will uh, clear up some things for us. So let's look at the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. position of Elijah 1st Kings 17 and verse 1 and Elijah the Tishbite 
of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Interesting. The uh, prophet Elijah refers to the Lord as the Lord God of Israel, uh, one living. Living in my ninth grade biology textbook was uh, one of the characteristics of life was responsiveness. And uh, this was certainly true, as we will see in Elijah's life, that the Lord responded to him in, uh, in the things that he asked, the things that he did. Much more than this, the Lord was intervening. He was superintending in the details in the lives of men and women of that time. Elijah's God was a living God. That's very important. And he says, this living God is the one before whom I stand. To stand before someone was to wait on them as a servant to serve him. So Elijah's God was one who lived and one that he recognized as worthy of his service. Elijah's faith was not hypothetical or intellectual or theoretical. Jehovah lives. Elijah demonstrated the truth here that um, we read in Ecclesiastes, God is in heaven and you on the earth. Elijah understood that, that God in heaven is the one who is powerful. He is deserving of glory. He is the one who works. I am merely his servant. So let's look at the prayers of Elijah. We will find seven of them. Actually, uh, it includes one prayer that Elijah didn't pray and one that he should not have prayed. As, um, as we've read in James 5 and here in verse 1, Elijah prayed that it would not rain. We Californians are familiar with drought. We've been, uh, if you've been around here long enough, you've been through two or three. But uh, are they really droughts? What we're talking about in Elijah's day is um, cloudless day after cloudless day week after week, month after month, for years. In a farming culture, this would be devastating. Imagine how fast your lawn would dry out without water. There wasn't even a dew like we had this morning to moisten the grass. It was uh, dead dry. Imagine people going to their faucet and turning on that old familiar faucet and nothing. How long could you survive under those conditions? We read in this account that there was severe famine in the land. There was starvation. What prompted Elijah to pray to the Lord to stop the rain? It was simply this. <clears throat> there were 12 tribes to whom the word of the Lord had come. Israel was their collective name. Israel was the, guard, uh, the guardian of God's precepts and his presence and his promises. And they had fallen into idolatry. They, had, they were following false gods. 
Elijah was indignant that Israel should leave their loving God and defy him to follow false gods. The Lord's desire seems to be that expressed through the prophet Hosea, who said, I will, the Lord said, I will return again to my place. That is, I will withdraw myself from this scene till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. The purpose of affliction is to draw people to himself. It's to arrest them from their foolishness and say, something's wrong with this picture. I believe that was the, the purpose for this drought in Israel. We in our society today should not feel superior to the idolaters of Israel. We have our own sin. I heard on the news recently that President Obama awarded Harvey Milk the Presidential Medal of Freedom. It's the highest honor one can bestow on a civilian. Harvey Milk was a supervisor in the city of San Francisco, um, the first one to openly profess his homosexuality. And uh, in Obama's um, press release to, uh, to the press, he, uh, he praised, he applauded Harvey Milk for being a, a leader of change in our nation, making uh, homosexuality uh, acceptable. And we have gone from tolerance and acceptability to glory. We now exalt uh, leaders like Harvey Milk. Um, the Lord calls it abomination. Let's, let's face it. Um, in Leviticus 18.22, uh, it is, homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord. So how do we pray for our country and our president? How do we pray as individuals as, and as an assembly? The next drought we enter into, instead, uh, before we pray for rain, may we pray for national repentance. This is... Um, prayer of Elijah's stop the rain wake up nation Elijah suffered with the nation of Israel he um, he moved out into the desert and eventually the Lord provided for him through a Gentile widow she was um, a widow from Zarephath a town in Sidon and it was um, quite remarkable to see how the Lord was going to provide through this, um, this widow, but he did miraculously. And let's, um, let's read an account of um, what happened with this widow in 1 Kings 17, 17. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, what have, I to you, uh, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. 
Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. We see Elijah in a pretty tight spot. We see him in a crisis. Here's a widow who um, apparently had one son, and uh, she brings his lifeless body to Elijah and says, uh, what, have I, what have I done to you, man of God? Here you speak to me of Jehovah. You speak to me of his love and his provision, and here my son is dying. What do you do? What would you do in Elijah's place? Elijah took the son. He, uh, he cried out to the Lord. We may say um, that his prayer was um, bold. It seemed even brassy. Even uh, um, in verse 20, he cried out to the Lord, Have you also brought tragedy on the widow whom I lodged by killing her son? pretty bold prayer and yet it was a desperate situation called for desperate action desperate prayer Bill McDonald wrote the best prayer comes from a strong inward necessity and Elijah had just that Elijah was at the ragged end of his resources who am I to restore the life of this child Elijah had no power Elijah had no ability to restore this life but he brought to the, the need to the one who could restore this life and it's um, it's very touching that the Lord heard the voice of Elijah he didn't just answer prayer he heard his voice and responded to his voice with life the Lord is not surprised by our need he's not shocked by the urgency of our request and the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. King David wrote, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Many of us are familiar with David's extremity, with Elijah's extremity. We may feel that we're at the end of the earth in our need. The psalmist David said, From the end of the earth I will cry to you. It seemed like he was uh, beyond help. He was out where uh, he was um, isolated, desolate. There was no one to, uh, to share the burden of his heart. He said, My heart is overwhelmed. That is, it's faint. Some of us have prayed for a wife or a husband, an urgent request, a sincere desire, a God-given desire, and a single person cries out for this godly husband or a godly helpmeet. There may be impossible demands at work or at home or at school where we have a boss who's saying, more bricks, more bricks. No straw. 
we cry out to the Lord. We say, Lord, I can't do it. I'm not capable of responding and look to the Lord for his provision. It could be the eternal safety of a family member whose earthly life is ebbing away. What an urgent situation that is to see someone on his or her deathbed about to enter a Christless eternity. Where do you turn for help? Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That rock is Jesus. As, um, as I mentioned in, um, in the worship meeting, I got an email from uh, Renee. I don't think she's here this morning. But uh, late last night, this, um, this email popped up on the computer, and uh, she was asking prayer for her uh, number one daughter, Katie. <clears throat> Katie was complaining of, uh, of a high fever. They took her into the hospital, and... Um, uh, administered uh, fluids and antibiotics, <clears throat> sent her home, and uh, her fever bounced back up to 103.2 degrees. And the hospital said, well, we'll, we'll admit her, but um, they decided to uh, take Katie back home, let her, let her sleep at home. So as of last night, um, she was resting. But here's an example of a mother for her child, uh, asking help from the Lord. Please pray for my daughter. Urgent, fervent prayer. I, I think it's very touching, very tender to, to hear the prayers of fathers and mothers for their sons and daughters like this Gentile woman had for her son. It's urgent. And that urgency was passed on to Elijah. The Lord knows our pressing needs. He doesn't need information about them. We don't need to school the Lord up on, on conditions. But he wants us to know that he knows our needs and what he's going to provide. So as we pray to the Lord, we're not informing him, we're not teaching him, we're not telling him uh, about things, but we're basically uh, telling ourselves that um, this is what I've told the Lord, this is what uh, he's responsible for, this is what he's going to do. Prayer is very vital, very important in that. May we learn from the example of Elijah, not just holy indignation, but also fervent prayer, boiling over prayer excited prayer, desperate prayer. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah and it came to pass after many days that um, the Lord sent Elijah to Ahab. It was a time of confrontation Elijah um, challenged Ahab and the prophets of Baal and Asherah to a contest. And uh, he said, uh, meet me on the top of Mount Carmel. Apparently, uh, Elijah had enough of the attention of the nation of Israel that they were willing to come to this contest. 
And what uh, Elijah proposed was that we take two bulls and we sacrifice one. You sacrifice yours to the, the God, the false God of Baal, and I will sacrifice mine to the God of uh, Jehovah, the God Jehovah, and uh, the one who answers, the one who responds to that sacrifice is the, is the true God. It, uh, it was agreeable to the nation of Israel. And so the, um, the prophets of Baal called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, and uh, as Scripture relates, there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. So Elijah began building his, um, his altar, and uh, he called the people around. He laid on that altar the wood for the, the burnt offering, laid on the wood the sacrifice, the bull, and then just to make sure that there was no um, burner underneath the wood to account for the Lord's answer, he called for four um, jars of water, dug a trench around it, poured water on the sacrifice, asked for another, poured it a second time, poured it a third time. Water was running over the sacrifice and into the trench. Listen to the prayer that Elijah offered the Lord as he called down the Lord's response from heaven in verse um, uh, chapter 18 and verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. The fire from heaven fell. It licked up the sacrifice, the wood, the altar, the dirt, the water around the sacrifice, and the people fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. What do we learn from Elijah's prayer? It's one of the most dramatic scenes of the Old Testament. Beyond his disgust for the idolatry of the time, Elijah had a heart for the people, and his prayer to the Lord God was that he would make it known that he is God in Israel and that he would turn the hearts of the people back to him again. We see it in our Lord Jesus in Matthew 9. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Elijah had a distinct hatred for the idolatry, but he also realized that there were souls at stake, souls to be saved from the midst of this, um, this king, this wicked king, and the abusive system of uh, religion that, uh, <clears throat> that he supported. Elijah desired the hearts of his people. He desired those hearts to turn to the Lord. May we learn from Elijah a real compassion for the lost. 
and a desire for God's glory. The people's hearts did turn to the Lord. We, um, we, we saw in verse uh, 39, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. They were executed there at, um, at the brook Kishon. And uh, Elijah, in verse 41, said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there, there is the sound of abundance of rain. Elijah knew that um, with the hearts of the people turned back to the Lord, that there was nothing now blocking the Lord's blessing of rain. And so Elijah would pray for rain. Verse uh, 42, uh, So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Elijah turns from this scene of uh, great victory over the prophets of Baal and uh, he humbles himself right before the Lord, um, face between his knees and, uh, and cries out to the Lord now for rain. The Lord had promised rain. Flip back to uh, chapter 18, uh, 18, verse 1. The end of the verse, the Lord promised Elijah. He said, I will send rain on the earth. I will send rain on the earth. Why pray? The Lord waited for Elijah's prayer. Not once, not twice but seven times. Seven times Elijah prayed. Seven times he sent his servant up to the mountaintop to look for that sign of, uh, of coming rain. Perhaps it was a test of Elijah's faith. Perhaps it was uh, the Lord showing Elijah's endurance, his resolve, that he required Elijah to pray. The Lord tests us, believers, today we have the promises in his word but he waits for us to pray oftentimes with endurance importunity you've brought the same need to the Lord for years a um, wayward son return of a wayward son or daughter deliverance from some besetting sin I thought I had victory over that and it came and slammed me down again Lord, deliver me from this sin. Healing from a chronic or debilitating disease. Lord, I've prayed so many times. I'm so sick. I'm so weary from this disease. Will you not heal me of it? You've prayed only five or six times, brother and sister. Pray a seventh time and the Lord will answer. There were... Um, in the life of uh, Jacob, back in uh, Genesis 32, there were two words that uh, Jacob used that are very important to us in our prayer life, uh, very important to Elijah. And those words, um, Genesis 32:12, were simply, "You said." You said. Jacob taking God's word and bringing it before the Lord and saying, "Lord, you said." that this would happen. 
you said you were going to provide this and I'm holding you to your word. It sounds brassy. It sounds disrespectful. But where is it, Lord? Where is the fulfillment of your promise? Years ago, we had um, in our meeting a man, uh, Richard Haverkamp, a missionary in Belgium. And uh, uh, Brother Haverkamp went to Belgium with the idea of uh, planting churches, seeing souls saved. And after two years, he hadn't seen a single soul saved. And he was desperate. He went to his room and he opened his Bible to uh, Matthew 16:18, and he said, Here, Lord, you said, I will build my church. Where is your church? And the Lord began saving souls in Belgium and Richard Haverkamp began to see churches planted for the glory of the Lord. He held God to his word. And we can do no better in our prayer life than to pray back the promises of God to him. A fifth prayer. Elijah saw the rain come down. And so in uh, chapter 18, verse 46, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. This was the, um, the city of the palace where Ahab and um, Jezebel lived. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Elijah stormed the gate of Jezreel. I'm not sure what his plan was in verse 46, but uh, he preceded Ahab there. Ahab told his wife all that uh, had transpired on Mount Carmel, not what Jezebel was anticipating. Jezebel repulsed Elijah's advance. She knew that he was outside the city gates and um, Jezebel, not Ahab, issued an execution order against Elijah. She ordered his death. It wasn't an empty threat. It was Jezebel, not Ahab, who had slain the prophets of the Lord. She had massacred them. We hope to learn more about Jezebel next week. And so we should find Elijah's prayer for deliverance from the hands of this wicked woman in verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. I don't see it. I don't see Elijah's prayer for deliverance in verse 3. 
There are beautiful prayer uh, examples for us. Psalm 140 is one. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their hearts. They continually gather together for war. They sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asps is under their, tongue, under their lips. Or uh, another was um, before the Sanhedrin, uh, Peter and John were warned not to preach the name of Jesus. And they threatened them and then released them. And uh, the prayer of the apostles in the light, in the, uh, in the light of these threats from the Sanhedrin was um, recorded in uh, Acts 4.29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word. Excellent prayer for deliverance from these evil men. So Elijah had, he had a voice, he had a heart to pray for deliverance from wicked Jezebel. What does a writ of execution mean before the living God? The Lord can protect me from this wicked queen. Elijah, Elijah's faith was shaken. Elijah stumbled. His faith faltered. It was the prayer Elijah didn't pray. The fear of man, or in this case of a woman, brought a snare. Fear is the opposite of faith. And Elijah was fearful. Elijah did not trust that the Lord would deliver him from this wicked queen. We too enter situations, I do, where I question the Lord's ability. I doubt that he's able to get me through this scrape. And I don't pray. We should learn from the example of Elijah that the Lord is trustworthy. He is capable. I don't know what, what the disconnect is, what the breakdown is. It's simply a failure on my part to take the Lord at his word. Elijah could have seen the Lord's deliverance in a mighty way, but he headed for the desert instead. So Elijah, um, Elijah runs and he hides, but the Lord finds him and, and um, Elijah is now wandering around the, the basement of uh, despondency. He's, um, he's feeling sorry for himself. In uh, chapter 19, verse 4, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. This was not Elijah's prayer. He was saying, kill me, Lord. I'm through. Perhaps because Elijah didn't pray as he should have, he did pray as he shouldn't have. He should have prayed for the Lord's deliverance. Now he's praying, Lord, uh, kill me. He was in a slew of despond. 
the key to understanding Elijah's despondency, depression, um, self, uh, self-pity is found in verse 10. Uh, two words, I alone. I alone. Elijah's focus was on whom? Himself. And so it was easy to, uh, to realize I'm, I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get out of this. Because his focus was on the horizon. Worse, it was on himself. God was not in his, um, in his thinking. The Lord heard his misguided supplication and answered by denying it. No, Elijah, I'm not going to take your life, for which we are thankful. God reminded Elijah that there were yet 7,000 who had not bowed the knee to Baal in Israel alone. I, Elijah, you're not alone. You've got, uh, you've got brothers and sisters out there who um, you can count on. And Elijah's mission was not over. God sent him on a new assignment, sent him to anoint Haziel, king of Syria, Jehu, king of Israel, and Elijah as his replacement. We'll hear more about Elisha in the weeks ahead. The sixth prayer was a prayer that Elijah had, uh, should never have prayed. The seventh prayer we mention only briefly. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 1. Ahab uh, was killed as we um, uh, studied last week and his son uh, Ahaziah became king in Samaria. Um, Ahaziah worshipped false gods as Ahab had and um, Ahab predicted Ahaziah's death as a judgment against him. Ahaziah, in return, sent soldiers to arrest Elijah. And uh, Elijah called down fire from heaven and consumed two groups of 50 soldiers each. And we mention this prayer only to show that Elijah had recovered from his introspection, from his self-pity, and was again making, fer- making fervent, effectual prayer to the Lord, which worked much. He was uh, praying to the one who heard and answered. It's interesting in this account of the uh, soldiers, um, we've been talking about believers and uh, lessons to learn from the life of Elijah. We'd like to consider uh, the gospel for the unsaved. And we have a very interesting picture here of uh, three hearts in the three groups of soldiers. Uh, we'll back up the, um, the first 50 men who came to Elijah by Ahaziah's decree. They, they came up the hill to Elijah and they said, Elijah, the king says, come down. And uh, Elijah called down fire from heaven and, uh, and consumed them. 
Uh, Ahazi was a very stubborn man and not quick uh, to learn. He sent a second group of 50 soldiers. And uh, these 50, um, the captain said, Elijah, come down quickly. And Elijah called, uh, called down fire from heaven and consumed them. The um, King Ahaziah said, well, let's go for a third time. So he sent a captain with 50 men. This captain was a little bit different. This captain uh, saw the charred remains of his um, fellow soldiers littering the, uh, littering the road. And he said, uh, Elijah, have mercy on me. Consider that my life is precious, my life and the lives of these men. And uh, the Lord told Elijah, don't be afraid. Go with this captain. And uh, Elijah went to confront Ahaziah personally. We see a picture here of these three hearts. There's, uh, there's the heart that's ignorant of the Lord's judgment, represented by the first captain. He, he flies up the hill, and uh, he's all uh, guns and shields, and he's, um, he's ready to take Elijah. He's plain ignorant. He doesn't realize that God is going to take his life. He's going to judge him, in effect. This represents most of the world today. Most of the world is ignorant of the gospel. Most people don't know about Jesus and his salvation from the judgment to come. The second captain knew better. The second captain saw the bodies littering the, the roadway. He realized that the first captain did not return. He was not ignorant. He was defiant. He knew that there was uh, judgment, there was danger, and yet he proceeded up the hill just like the first. These, uh, this captain represents those who've heard the gospel and they have rejected it. They said, there is uh, judgment, there's condemnation, but I don't care. I'm going up uh, about my business anyway. And he proceeded, eyes open, into judgment. The person, the sinner, who takes the gospel and rejects it and enters into eternity without the Lord Jesus is, um, is defiant. He defies the Lord. The third captain, what a breath of fresh air. He's one who learns from the mistakes of others. He sees the carnage. He sees the waste. He sees the results of, of God's uh, pouring out um, his wrath on these, these soldiers. And he prays that Elijah might deem his life precious in his sight. This captain's prayer is different from the sinner's prayer today. The sinner today doesn't have to pray, consider my life precious. The Lord Jesus considers your life precious anyway. You don't have to pray that. But what the Lord Jesus would like to hear from you is, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. Be propitious. Apply your cleansing blood to, to my soul for my sin 
And the Lord does that. He's responsive. He's, he's alive. He's pleased to offer that salvation, to apply that salvation to unworthy sinners such as you and I. Where's your heart this morning? Are you ignorant? No, no. We've talked about the gospel. We've talked about the Lord's salvation. Are you defiant? Have you taken the gospel and rejected it? There's still time to trust the Lord. Are you, is your heart soft toward the Lord? Are you brokenhearted? Are you desiring the Lord's salvation? Your soul is precious in his sight, and he desires, he yearns to save you this morning. Come to the Lord Jesus today. What do we learn from Elijah's example this morning about prayer? We learn a jealousy for God's glory. We learn uh, intolerance for sin. We learn that, uh, if need be, uh, bring adversity, bring affliction. I'm willing to suffer it, Lord, to arrest the attention of these people. Um, after 9-11, um, the tragedy at the uh, World Trade Center, the, the thing that I kept hearing over and over again was, this is a tragedy. Um, this is unprecedented. We're looking for business as usual business as usual. We have today business as usual. Um, how many years? Uh, eight years after 9-11. Let's pray instead for, um, for the Lord to wake us up, wake up people to call on him. We learn from Elijah fervor in prayer in desperate situations. The, um, the heartache of this uh, widow's Son, what do you do? What do you do in a case like that? She's brokenhearted. Compassion for the lost and the wandering. And then uh, trust in the Lord for safety when we're tempted to be afraid. I, uh, I can be afraid of so many different things. And yet the Lord is able to deliver me from each of those. Elijah was a man of like passions. He was a man, uh, a common man. We'd... Um, Meet him on the street and, and be surprised. Wow, Elijah, uh, you're, you're a lot like I am. But he prayed, and the Lord heard him and answered his prayer. Let's pray. We thank you for the example of Elijah, for the prayer that he prayed, for the answers that you gave. We praise you this morning for being the living God, one before whom we can stand, we can serve, we can pray and realize um, effectual, fervent prayer availing much. We um, ask that we might be more like Elijah in our own prayer lives. We pray for um, Katie as uh, she recovers from this infection. We pray that you'd bring her through it quickly and draw her to yourself through it. We think of unsaved um, people, Lord, uh, hearing your call and... Um, pray that they might have soft hearts, they might uh, see the warning, they might hear uh, the warning that you issue and, and come to you, come to you by your invitation today. We ask Lord Jesus in your name. Amen.